Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Good morning. Welcome. Um, so we've been doing this series called Circle Maker, and I think it's been a really uh, huge series for us. I think it's been really impacting. I think you can't talk about prayer enough. You can't talk about faith enough. And we've had three weeks, and this is the fourth week. This is going to be the last week of the series. And we've been talking about uh, praying circles around different areas in our lives, praying circles around our jobs, praying circles around our families, praying circles around our finances or, or, or our dreams or our hopes or the promises that God has given in our lives. And, and so over these last three weeks, we've, we've talked not just about identifying them, but about dreaming big and, and believing that God is a big God and that all, all prayers are equal to such a big God as God. And then last week, Anthony was talking about praying like a bride and not like a widow, that God looks at us in this way like a bride. And so we can take our promises to him, our prayers to him, and know that he's going to be interested and he's going to want to listen. Today, I want to talk about praying long. And I think that this is a huge topic for us in our society because life is fast. Like, I don't need to tell you that life is fast and it's getting faster and it's getting faster, faster than it's ever got faster before. The world is fast. And it's not just because we've got smartphones and we can get messages straight away. It's everything. It's from the way that we shop. I can't be bothered to go to the shop, so I shop online. And I go to Amazon because I know I'll get it the next day. Everything is getting faster. They did a study and the study said that in 10 years, we've started to walk 10% faster as a nation. We just rush more. I eat fast. I've read, they've released a book now for parents, and it's called Bedtime Stories in 60 Seconds. <laughs> for those parents who need to get through the bedtime routine faster. Everything is faster. And I, I'm shocking at this. Not the bedtime bit, but just in general, faster. I, would, I found myself the other day... I was walking to the shops, and I was just walking normally. I wasn't in a rush. I didn't think I was in a rush. And then I started walking a little bit faster, and I'm jogging. I'm jogging to the shops. Do you ever do this thing where you have a conversation with yourself in your own head? And so I'm like, Ben, why am I jogging? And I tell myself, because walking is a waste of time. <laughs> like, walking feels like I'm not doing enough, so I have to jog to maximize the time. It makes no sense. We, we have this rush thing, and that's fine. But the problem is, the problem is, God doesn't always work to our schedules. Yeah. And the reality is that the biggest prayers, the greatest miracles that God wants to do in your life, they almost always require praying long. They almost always require waiting. Who here today has promises, prayers, prophecies, that you have in your life that you're still waiting for. So I want to look today at what we do in the gap, the gap between where we are right now and where we want to be, between our life as it is and the promises that we're expecting to step into. So we're going to look at the story of a guy in the Bible called Abraham, and he's an expert on this. God gave Abraham a promise, 
And it then took 25 years for him to even see the beginning of the promise start to happen. So he knows something about waiting. So um, if you would find your Bible on your phone, if you've got a paper one, you're looking for the book of Romans, and we're going to go to chapter 4. And this is Paul. Paul was an early Christian missionary, and he is looking back on the life of Abraham. And this is what he says. Uh, Romans chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. It should also be on the screen behind me. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Do you know, every life has a story. And every story has a narrator. And the way that we understand a story depends on who the narrator is. In the Bible, there's, there's two sets of stories about Abraham. There's the first one, which is in Genesis. And there's like 12 chapters devoted in Genesis all to Abraham. And that's right because the Bible says he's the father of faith. He's, he's a really significant person in the history of, of the church and the history of, of Israel. And so it's right that he has this big section. And in this section, it goes into detail. It goes all the way through from when he first gets this promise from God to when it's completed. It follows that whole journey through. And then there's a second section, and it's a section that I've just read with you there. It's a little bit longer than we just looked at, but this is Paul's section, and it's more like a summary. And as we read Paul's section, if we've read the Genesis version as well, the correct response is, really? Really, Paul? This is, this is how you want to tell his story? Really? Because Paul has a very selective memory, should we say, on how he understands Abraham's story. So when I read this, I'm like, really, Paul? What about Hamer? Hagar? What about Hagar? What does it say, verse 18? It says, oh, verse 19, Abraham's faith did not weaken. Really, Paul? Really? Not with Hagar. So if you don't know Hagar, the story of Hagar is Abraham's got this promise that he's going to have a, a, a nation. He's going to have from his son, he's going to be the father of many nations. And so he then is old and his wife Sarah is barren and it's not happening. It's not working. And so his faith starts to weaken and he starts to doubt. And he, they start to think, well, how can we make this happen? How can we find a way to, to, to somehow create this promise happening our way? And so then Sarah says to him, well, I've got a servant called Hagar. Maybe you could, and she could have a baby. And that would do it. And so that he thinks this is a brilliant idea. And um, so they do, and they have a baby. And then God is upset because he says, your faith wasn't right. You, you weakened your faith. I'm like, really, Paul? What about Hagar? You see, the thing is, 
When we look at people's stories, we always headline with their lowest moments. Paul is looking back at Abraham's stories through eyes of grace. God looks back at the story through eyes of grace. You see, you can't change a story. You can't change the facts. You can't change what you did. You can't change the way that your life has been. But you can choose to change your narrator. Paul doesn't bring up Hagar. Paul doesn't bring up Abimelech, this guy who Paul gives his wife to. He doesn't, Paul doesn't bring up the time when they laughed at God's promises. Paul looks back and he says, Abraham never weakened in his faith. He goes on. Abraham never weakened in his faith. And though at about 100 years old, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. He figured his body was as good as dead. In another translation, the NIV, it says, he faced the facts. His body was as good as dead. He faced the facts. How often have Christians been accused of ignoring the facts? That we go through life and, and we use faith as an excuse to not look at reality. I think some people misunderstand the difference between faith and denial. We try not to see what is real in front of us and we call that faith. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I've got faith for my finances. Perhaps God wants to say to you, make a budget. Like understand your finances, look at your finances. Maybe you're like, I've got faith for my health. Maybe you need to face the facts and go to a gym. Faith isn't blind. The Bible never presents blind faith. It always presents faith which faces the facts, but then believes in a God who can change them. Paul faced the facts. When we're talking about these big kind of prayers, we have to face the facts. We have to understand what we're truly asking of God because it's only when you face the facts that you can really give God glory for what he does. It's only when you realise how impossible it is for us to get there that we can actually say the only way this happened is because of God. But the difficulty of facing the facts is, is it can get hard because there's this, there's this place where we are at now and there's this place that we want to get to and the gap between those it's painful. I've been at a conference and I saw Stephen Furtick do something to visualise this, which I found so helpful. It was something really similar to, to what I did a couple of weeks ago, but I think he may have been slightly better. So I'm stealing his and I'm going to do it again because it is so, so good. So I'm going to need some volunteers. I'm going to ask Dan to get up, if that's okay, Dan. Um, I'm going to also ask uh, Phil, could you jump up, please? I'll be honest, I asked Dan because I feel like his beard just needed more public attention. Um, and one more, Helen, if you could jump up as well. So, because of your beard, Dan represents me. <laughs> and Dan, if you look this way, in fact, I'm sorry if I'm going to get in the way of that speaker a little bit. Step, step back, Dan. This is me. This is you. This is us. This is the epitome of our community. This is where we are up to. Phil... If you could stand here looking that way, this is the us we want to be. This is the us we wish we were. Phil represents our promises, our hopes, our dreams, everything that God has said to us, everything we want him to do with our lives. That's Phil. And this is the gap. 
<laughs> that is the gap. That's the gap between where we are, where we want to be, and the longer we have that gap in our lives, the harder it is to carry that gap. It starts to burden us. It starts to wear us down. We start to get frustrated. And we start to think, like Abraham did, of different ways of doing things. We start to compromise. And, and we say, well, maybe we could just make this happen. Or, or maybe I could settle for a lesser version of the promise because I can't wait to get to that end place. And so we find ourselves flittering and fluttering from one thing to another, never truly focusing, because we don't like to wait. We hate the wait. So this is what you can do. Helen, I apologize for this, but come over here. Come. Let's not waste time walking, Helen. <laughs> if you go all the way to the end, the speaker will go mad if I go over there. Stand there and look towards us. So this is us now. This is where we are. This is us that we want to be. And when we're frustrated with this gap, we're not where we want to be. Do you know what we need to do? We turn around and we look. And we say, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm definitely not where I used to be. Yeah. Helen represents where we've come from. She represents the journey of everything that God has done up to this point. And so although we're not quite at the promise yet, we know that we're not where we used to be. And so what we do is we look back and we pray and we thank God and we take a step forward. And we pray and we thank God and we take another step forward. And we pray and we thank God and we take another step forward. And we rejoice because even when, even when Phil takes another step forward, we keep on going. We keep on going. And the truth is it doesn't matter how young or how old you are. This happens again and again and again. I remember being 15 and thinking, I can't wait till I'm 20 and my life is sorted. I then got to 20. I was like, I can't wait till I'm 25. And... I'm not as optimistic anymore, but it might be better then. I spoke to my dad. He's still got dreams. He's still got passions. He's still got promises that he's believing God for. Throughout your life, you will always be heading further and further in this direction. And the further you go, you look back and you just praise God that he has absolutely transformed our life at every step. Thank you, guys. Please sit down. So I'm not where I want to be but I'm also not where I was. Praise God. Last time I was speaking, two weeks ago, I told a story. And um, I'll be honest, it felt really vulnerable telling this story. I told about how when I was 18, I wasn't a Christian yet, and God gave me a picture, and, and I believed it even though I didn't believe in God, and I, I don't know how you understand that, but I did, that's, that's how it worked. And he gave me this picture that I'd be leading a church of 2,000. And as I said that, I was terrified, because I'd never said it in front of a group of people like yourselves before. Um, I'd said it to people individually, but I'd never said it out loud like this. And um, straight away after the service, somebody came up to me and they said, Ever since I joined this church, God's given me this number, 2,000. And I've been asking people what it meant. They said, as you were speaking, I felt like God was saying, that's what it was. That, that was the number. And so I had this amazing confirmation. And I, I want to tell you that because I think it's really important that as we're looking forward at the dreams and the promises that God has for us, that we don't bottle them up. We don't keep silent. We, we don't get afraid, but we, we say them out loud. And I think we do get afraid, and I think there's two reasons why we often don't say them to people. Uh, the first is because we're afraid of God's reputation. We're afraid that if, if we tell people and God doesn't do it, God will look bad. 
And I want to tell you, God doesn't need you to be protecting him. You know, like God created the world. God can look after himself. And what you do is you minimize your prayers or you accept lesser versions of them because you're afraid of God's reputation not being fulfilled. Well, let him worry about his reputation and we need to pray these bigger prayers. Second thing we do is we're afraid of our own reputation. What happens if I fail? What happens if I, if I fall down? What happens if it doesn't work out the way that I want to? What happens if I tell all of you guys that I believe God's going to help me in this journey? And then what, what will you think of me? I'm going to tell you that God doesn't want to use people who never fail. God uses people who don't give up. Every single one of those failures, every single one of those times when you trip, every single one of those times when it doesn't quite happen is a step. It's a step forwards towards God refining you and making you into that person he wants you to be so that you're ready to fulfill that dream and that destiny that God's given you. I want to tell you this story, um, and it's, it's another one of these stories I haven't really told from here. And it's a story of um, how I met one of my best friends, Andy. Uh, he's the guy, if you don't know, who's worship leading today, incredible guy. And... Um, the story starts before I moved to Manchester, and it follows on from what I shared before. So God has given me this dream of, of planting a church, leading a church of 2,000. And God really clearly spoke to me and my wife and told us to move to Manchester. So we, we packed our stuff, took our savings, didn't know what we were coming up to, didn't have a job. Uh, friends of ours, uh, the Wits, had a house for two months that we could live in. So that was what we came to. We had two, two months of home. So we moved to Manchester, and have you ever had a time in your life where it was like God just suddenly was distant? God was suddenly far away. I, I was so used to having him feeling so close to me. I was so used to hearing his voice in my prayer times, and all of a sudden it had it gone. And that really worried me. And so I was praying, and I was praying, and I was praying. I was like, Lord, where are you? Where are you? I've come here for you. Where are you? And I, was, I, was, I had loads of faith. I thought, genuinely, I thought I might arrive in Manchester, go down a pub, and there might be a prayer meeting there with a group of guys saying we want to plant a church. If only there was somebody else who would come and help us. And I'd be like, hey. That, that, I thought God does stuff like that. That happens. I, I was ready for it. And then God disappears. Where are you? If that happens for you, sometimes... God goes quiet because he really wants you to listen to the next thing he's going to say to you. About a month later, I'm at a church and there's a pastor called Paul Hallam. He says, I've got a word for someone here today. And it was like, my heart started beating. And I just felt this tingling all down my skin. I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> and so he said, he said um, God wants to say to you to wait and that he knows his promises, he's not a liar, he will keep what he has said to you, but you have to wait. And I was like, no. <laughs> like, tell me, be bold. Tell me, be brave. Tell me, it'll be hard. Tell me, you need to fight. Tell me, like, it's not going to be what you think. Tell me, you have to do something weird. I don't care. But wait, is there a harder word you can hear from God? Wait. So I was mad. I was so angry and I told God. 
Um, we had some real conversations that I probably couldn't say in a church, but I'd say to God, because you can say what you like to God because he knows what you think anyway, right? So I said to God, like, what was going on? Why would you bring me to this beautiful city up north where the weather is fair? <laughs> and then tell me to, like, do nothing. Like, that makes no sense. What, what have, like, I don't want to say, what have you been smoking, Lord? But that's what I'm thinking, and so I can say it in my prayer. And, and so then I go to this, I was at this conference, and the whole way in the conference, all I'm really doing in the worship is arguing uh, with God. That, that is now our relationship. You know when they say it's like the bride of Christ? I was really feeling that part of the marriage. Where <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I said, look, look, God, let's be reasonable. If you, if you were to send a couple who could come with us, we could plant a church and that's what we need, just four of us, me and two others. And it'll be epic. And we know that your blessing will pour out. We know that you're incredible. Just please, could we have two people to join us? And then I was thinking, I was like, well, if I'm praying this, let's get specific. Let's have two people join us, Lord, and let one of them be like an incredible worship leader. Um, that would be really, really good. So if you just gave us those people to join us, that, that would be it. And uh, I felt like God say, okay. What do you mean, okay? And this is, this is exactly what I heard God say to me in this moment in this. He said, pick any worship leader in the world and I would give them to you. I was like, what? So I'm thinking, does anyone have Chris Tomlin's phone number? <laughs> I'm like, like, who do I choose, Matt Redman? Uh, like, who, well, this is epic. Um, thank you, Jesus, by the way, but yes. And uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm just... I look forward and I was like, this is the most anointed worship I've ever been in in my life, anywhere, any church sitting. I just thought, whoever is leading worship here right now, Lord, I, I pray that they would join us. I pray that it would be them. I mean, I've just arrived in Manchester, I don't know no one. And I felt like God just said, okay, deal, done. I'm like, sweet. He said, you're still waiting, but, but otherwise, good. So I'm like, brilliant. Okay, Lord, I'm waiting, and this, I've got, now I've got a worship leader. That's good. So then I go to a message prayer day a couple of weeks later, and I'm like, oh, no, there's a guy. There's a guy that I prayed about, and I realized I could never speak to him because I've had this thing with God. And I'm like, if I speak to you, I'm going to make it weird. And I don't want to make this thing weird. And so I was like, Lord, you're going to have to speak to him and get him to speak to me somehow because I'm going to just make this really, really weird and he's going to run away and never want to speak to me because I'm going to be one of those weird Christians that go up to you and say, hi, Jesus told me that you're going to come with me. <laughs> Jesus can do that, right? I don't believe many of us can. So um, I was like, God, help me. And then my wife starts working at the message and a little while later she says, oh, you know that guy? that you are always talking about, he's moving away. He's leaving Manchester, he's going to Wales, and he's not coming back. And I was like, okay, here I am in Manchester, waiting for my church plant. It's not coming. The church worship leader I've been promised is running away. <laughs> my dreams are getting further away from me rather than getting closer. And uh, somebody told me this bit of wisdom, which I've held on to ever since. 
It said that often when God gives us promises, even the best promises, what we do is we grab them so tight that we suffocate them. We try and manipulate them and force them like Abraham did into happening our way. And we end up with lesser versions of what God would want to give us. He said, so what we want to do is learn how to hold on to everything God gives us with open hands. And I loved that expression. I said, Lord, I'm holding on to this promise with open hands. It will be you that does this because it's so much bigger than anything I could do. I will only receive this by your glory and your grace. Six years after that first prophecy had been spoken, I'm standing here, about here. I'm being prayed for to be the leader of this church. And as I go to speak, I turn around or maybe I didn't because he wouldn't have been standing there anymore, but for the sake of this imagery, it would have been beautiful if he was. <laughs> and there's one of my best friends, Andy, who God had brought back to the city, who God had brought all the way around, who God had known his story and had known my story all the way through. And I remember on that Sunday seeing God say to me, look, I keep my promises. Amen. I keep my promises. And, I, and I, I was there and I was like, all glory to you, God. All glory, because I, what I did was so insignificant compared to what you did. But I also wonder, what if I'd have stopped praying? What if I'd have not kept on saying, Lord, your will be done. Lord, I trust in you. Lord, I believe in you. All I did was pray and pray, and pray, and pray. And it was like God moved mountains. I genuinely believe that praying long is like climbing a mountain. It's the best metaphor I have for it. It's like every time you pray, you find your altitude has increased. And the bigger the mountain, the more you're going to need to keep praying and praying and praying and praying. And praying and praying. And you'll keep on praying and you'll keep on going up. And one day you'll stand on the top of that mountain and you'll say, the only way that I ever got here is because of God. Like, look at the journey where I came from and look where I am now. Thank you, Jesus. And do you know what will happen when you get to the top of that mountain? God will then turn around and say, well, have you tried the Himalayas? Because there's some epic mountains ahead of you. And he doesn't want you to be afraid of them. He wants you to be the kind of person that looks at those huge mountains and says, what if we could? What if we could get to the top of that one, Lord? What if we could climb an even bigger mountain? What if I could keep on praying more and more and more and see you do greater things than I'd ever imagined you'd done before? I believe God is stretching us. I believe God is stretching our prayers. He wants us to attack bigger mountains. He wants us to ask for things. In James chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, he says, do you know why you haven't been receiving? Because you haven't been praying. Ask and you will receive. God wants to give you more. Are you happy with the life you have? Or are you just settled? I'd like to pray for two groups of people today. The first group of people are people 
who are struggling in the gap, who, who are constantly looking forwards and knowing that God has more ahead for them. But if you're honest, you, you've been thinking about settling, you've been thinking about flittering and fluttering, maybe choosing a different mountain. I'd love to pray for you if you're that gap. And the second group of people I want to pray for are people who, who don't know Jesus, who, who have never said, I believe in you and follow you. The author of that letter, um, Romans, which we were reading earlier, later he says, if you believe in your heart and you proclaim with your lips, you will be saved. You know, you can't change your past. You can't change your situation. You can't change your story. But you can choose to change your narrator. So first, I want to pray for people stuck in the gap. So if that's you today, can you just raise your hand? And I want to pray with you. Just wherever you're sitting, raise your hand. Okay, and now if you could just... Put your hands in front of you, perhaps, in a receiving posture. Sometimes we, we, we position our bodies in what we're really wanting our spirit to be doing. Lord, I want to pray for every single person right now who raised their hands. I want to pray for them in the gap. Lord, I want to pray that you'll encourage them. I want to pray that you will, you will keep spurring them on. And I want to thank you that even if they gave up, even if they got distracted, even if they went in a different direction, that you look at them through eyes of grace. That you look back and you say, here is my son, here is my daughter who never weakened in their faith, who pressed on and they received everything and it was counted for righteousness in their lives. I thank you, you see them as righteous. And Lord, I pray that the, the dreams that they're waiting for, that they will be nothing compared to the greater mountain range which lies beyond that as they reach that, they'll be able to look back and say, only for your glory. I pray, Lord, that you will give them greater dreams by far, dreams that will never be accomplished except through you, through your miraculous ways. And Lord, we just want to stand and celebrate every story as they happen that proclaim your glory. Amen. So I'd like us now to pray. And what I'm going to ask is for us all to close our eyes and for us all to bow our heads. And this may be the first time you've ever prayed this prayer or it could be the thousandth time. But I'd like to pray a prayer with you asking God to become the narrator in your life. Asking if you can follow Jesus and have him see your story completely differently that you don't have to live in that middle space, but you can start to have a life seen from the perspective of God. So let's pray with me, please. Lord God, I believe in you. Lord, I want to follow you. Help me to see from your perspective. Help me as I follow you. I give all my days to you, however long that may be. Amen. I'm going to invite the band up now. If you prayed that prayer and it was a first time thing for you, 
Or if you prayed that prayer and you've been away from God for a long time and this is your time coming back, I'd love to give you a gift today. I'd love to give you a free book. Uh, And it's a book that's really going to help you with that prayer and what it means. And um, so if you could just really quickly, right away now, stick your hand up. I'm going to have somebody come across to you and give you a book. If anybody prayed that for the first time today or has been a long time away, if you could just raise your hand right now. Great, I can see another hand over here. Thank you. I think everyone's been seen. Can we stand together? And as we go into this this time of worship, I want to encourage you to cast your mind back and think about where you started. Think as we go into this where you came from. Recall and number what God has already done in your life. The challenges, the differences that he's already come. Look at the mountains that you have climbed. And let's give some time to just glorify God in heaven. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.